Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Friday morning, football Friday, If even if we will talk some football today for a little bit. I mean, we talk NFL every single day here on the Jeff Dean Show, but we've got a lot of other things to get into today as well. Welcome. We are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. It is February the 4th, 2022. 702, just about to switch to 703 on your Tucson Friday. And we are live on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN, Tucson. And plenty to get into today over the next two hours. Lots of excitement in the city last night. Pardon me if my voice is a little bit uh, raspy today. Uh, It was was an exciting evening at the McHale Center and had to pipe up a little bit even more to get over the 14,556 strong that were screaming and yelling their faces off last night at the McHale Center as the Wildcats defeated UCLA by a score of 76 to 66 in front of a raucous crowd there at the McHale Center and uh, good to be back plus it was a really late night getting back and when I got home I watched the end of the Arizona State USC game and then the replay of the U of A UCLA game was on so I was like no I'll just stay up and watch this the TV coverage of it my good friend Bill Walton and Dave Pash on the call I'm gonna enjoy this and I ended up staying up till like 12 30 in the morning Watching all that, and yeah, you know, here I am. But we've got a great show planned for you today, and uh, we'll have a full breakdown of everything that we saw there last night. Um, because there's, there, look, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, this is, I think there's there's more to discuss here today, following this this game, this particular game between these two teams, than there was after last week's game. Last week's game, we saw what we saw. Arizona couldn't hit the broadside of the barn with a basketball. There was a lid on the rim, whatever you want to call it. They couldn't make the shots, and eventually they started to get in their own heads and stop playing defense, and UCLA just crushed them. I mean, that was just that was just the way it is. UCLA played their best game of the season. Arizona played their worst, and you saw what you saw, 16-point 16 uh, 16 victory for the Bruins. Last night were two teams that were going to war with one another, and the rivalry is strong, the rivalry is true, and it did not take long for head coach Tommy Lloyd and head coach for the UCLA Bruins, Mick Cronin, to have their first, um, uh, I, I guess you'll say, uh, misunderstanding <laughs> between the two. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a, in a, in a minute, uh, as there was some interesting, interesting, con- an interesting confrontation last night. We'll just put it that way. We'll get into it, and I'll let you guys know exactly what happened, because there wasn't, I didn't see any reports of it, but sitting where I get to sit, and getting to hear all of the conversation that I get to hear, uh, I'm kind of privy to some information that uh, that the reporters that have to sit up on media row don't get a chance to uh, to you know get a piece of. And I noticed that nobody asked Tommy about it uh, after the game at the post game presser. I really, he, you know, it, it was a smart idea not to ask him about it because he wouldn't have commented. I guarantee. Um, so we'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit because I know people are are interested in, in what happened. Um, but last night, let's let's talk about the game. Look. You know, when I when I mentioned that that there was more to speak about in this game, it's because both teams were playing at a high level in this game, and you got to see Arizona kind of doing their thing, playing their style, 
uh, and not the breakneck pace that we've seen in the previous games in the non-con and, and in certain games, uh, you know, in the conference this, this season. Um, but they were able to dial up, you know. And I, look, I said yesterday that when Arizona is right, there's no reason they couldn't score 75 or 80 points on this UCLA team. And last night they scored 76, and they missed 10 free throws in the game as well. They only shot 66% from the free throw line. In fact, they were really bad early in the game, um, free throw shooting. They were uh, 8 of 15 in the first half of the free throw line, which, you know, even, you know, Ben Matherin missing two, Pella Larson missed a free throw, which never happens. Um, So, uh, you know, they were really bad early from the free throw line, kept them from extending that lead that they had because they had the 14-point lead in the first half. Things were rolling. They go on that 12-0 run. Uh, the three-point shooting was was being handled extremely well. They were four of nine in the first half and, you know, really, really shooting the ball well. And in the second half, UCLA really dialed up their defense. That was that was an elite defensive effort by UCLA just to just to get back in that game. That being said, an elite defensive effort resulted in giving up 34 points. Now, usually in college basketball, an elite defensive effort, you're keeping a team sub-30 for a half. I mean, there's, you know, 28, 26 points, 24, even less in some cases, depending on the pace of the game. Um, to play that good of defense, and UCLA, trust me, UCLA's defense was remarkable in the second half. Uh, to keep you know, for Arizona to still score 34 points. Now, granted, they scored 12 of those points at the free throw line, but that's all part of it. I mean, we, we got to watch 12 years of Sean Miller basketball where in the final eight minutes of the game, it was a free throw parade because his teams were relentless at getting to the rim and getting buckets you know, and, and just attacking the rim possession after possession after possession in the second half, just wearing teams down and pounding them through the hardwood. Uh, Tommy Lloyd's team did the exact same thing last night. They sprinkled in a few threes. Kirk Creason was still launching some three-pointers from deep uh, late in the game. But nonetheless, the Wildcats were getting to the line, and they went there with the two bigs, with uh, with CeeLo, Christian Coloco, and the big O, Umar Balo, playing the the, tw- the Twin Towers, the, the Tommy Lloyd version of the Twin Towers. We've seen it plenty of times with Sean Miller, of course, with, with Zeus and Deuce. Um, you know, this time we're seeing it with, with, the, uh, with the two African kids, right? The kid, well, you know, kid from Mali and a kid from Cameroon. And it, it is a it is a force to be reckoned with. Let's be honest. Um, this is this lineup is is brutal for teams to deal with, and there's several reasons why. You, you know, and, and and pardon me if I'm just kind of like shooting from the hip this morning. I, I, there's a lot to discuss, and I'm I'm kind of just going with with you know train of thought here as I'm just kind of talking about everything that happened to last night's game. There's not going to be a whole lot of structure in talking about last night's game because there is so much to get into. Uh, so many things that I saw that were, that were positives for this team. Tommy Lloyd talked about it after the game. It's something that I noticed you know, throughout and something that I was actually talking about at the, at the scores table was just what kind of an effort, not only from individuals like Christian Coloco, Dale and Terry, who really just left it all out there defensively, uh, but the entire team defensively just just played phenomenal defense um, last night against uh, against UCLA and UCLA. Look, they were running their offense. They were they you know they did they did really well running their offense like we're accustomed to seeing. Uh, Arizona's defense, especially in the second half and late in the game at the rim, was just fantastic. And Tommy Lloyd addressed it after the game, talking about Christian Coloco. 
the fact that you have a seven foot one center slash forward out there who is responsible for guarding the perimeter and closing out on three pointers, um, you know, fighting through screens, you know, playing playing screen defense and getting out there and also helping on the backside is just <laughs> you can't say enough about just how good of a defender Christian Coloco is. I mean, I I said it. I think I said it early, either earlier in the week. It was maybe it was after the ASU game. Um, I can't remember exactly when, but I just I, I said, look, just hand him the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year trophy right now, and I mean, just hand it to him. the race is over. There isn't anyone in this league that's anywhere near Christian Coloco as far as it, it as it pertains to defense. Nobody, and in my opinion, based on what I've seen. Now, granted, I have a biased eye because I get to watch Arizona play every single game and I get to watch them from up close, and every other team I'm watching on television and I've got other things mixed in, whether it be football, um, you know, NBA, other things, NHL, or just other kinds of, you know, other businesses that I run and stuff like that. Like, I'm busy, right? I don't get to watch every single college basketball game that I want to. I'd put him in the top five in the country as far as defensive players, individual defensive players. He just – there's nobody in the country that plays like him. There are plenty of seven-footers in this, you know, in, in this landscape of college basketball right now. You know, there's Chet Holmgren, the kid up, you know, up in Gonzaga, and, you know, he's got some, he's got some flashy game and stuff. He's really, really young, uh, but he's, he's uh, you know, a budding superstar. He's going to be drafted in the, in the top three of the lottery in the NBA this year, and NBA teams will love his game. Um, he's like a Kevin Durant style player. He's he's really really good, um, and there are other seven footers around this league who do, uh, you know, a lot of good and you know things well. But for what Christian Coloco brings defensively, good lord, I, he was on Tiger Campbell for like four possessions last night. The point guard, a five eleven point guard who has some of the best handles that the Pac twelve has seen in probably a decade. Did you see the statistic? I think Justin Spears on the uh, uh, on the on the on the Daily Star. He was working till late, late last night. He was still tweeting out stuff at like three thirty in the morning. Justin, my God, go to bed, sir. Um, <laughs> he he uh, he put in his article. And this is an astounding statistic about Tiger Campbell. When Tiger Campbell had a turnover, I think there was like fifteen minutes remaining in the game. He turned the ball over. It was his first turnover versus Arizona in one hundred and sixty-one consecutive minutes. Seriously? I mean, you heard me talk about Tiger Campbell last week before the UCLA game, and I said, if you if you steal a ball from Tiger Campbell, keep the ball, take a picture, because it don't happen at all. It, don't, it just doesn't happen. I didn't realize it was that egregious. 161 consecutive minutes without a turnover? <laughs> Good grief. And, you know, really that's where Arizona made, made their hay the most, in my opinion, is, is I was watching the game live and then came home and watched it on the, on the replay on television they took Tiger Campbell out of his game. You know, Tiger is is not the elite distributor point guard. What he is is he's a he, he's a rhythm guy. He's a rhythm jump shooter. He's a stop and pop. He'll get you you, you know on your heels, backpedaling, thinking that he's going to attack the rim, and then just pull up from eighteen feet and drain it, and or pull up from twenty two feet and drain it because he's really increased his three point shooting this year. Uh, but last night he was one of four from beyond the arc. He was four of fourteen. From the field, did have that one turnover, had five assists. He was the co-leader for UCLA in assists last night, but only nine points. 
and they really took him out of his game. He looked uncomfortable at times, and I don't know if, if he had lost faith or confidence in his jump shot, but he started attacking the rim a lot more. I don't know whether it was to try to draw fouls on the bigs or not, but it wasn't getting home, and he was blocked by Coloco. He was blocked by Tubelas. He was blocked by CeeLo. He, I mean, they, they just crammed that ball back in his face, and he retaliated on defense by committing stupid fouls. And I mean, just, I mean, grabbing a player by the jersey as they're trying to run away from you, I mean, that's, that's as simple as it gets. That's how he got his fourth foul in the game. He got his third foul because of a technical. And the technical foul, I, I don't know what Pella Larson did to deserve a technical. I mean, I sit pretty close to the review table. Um, you know where the you know, the, re- the review section, the little the little video screen that the officials look at when they're reviewing things. So let's let's go ahead and, and talk about that for a moment because I saw there was some Twitter discussion last night about what was going on because nobody was nobody explained what what had happened there. A lot of people were asking questions. I'll do the best I can to answer those questions for you. So the officials on a previous on a previous jump shot, Tiger Campbell had made a two point jump shot. I called it as a two-point jump shot. From my vantage point, it was obviously a two. His, his, about half of his toes were over the line. Okay, you know, a good section of the shoe was over the over the three-point line when he took the shot. The official was unsure about it and just kind of put his both his arms kind of halfway up, signaling a three-pointer, but not all the way up. Just kind of put them halfway up. They looked at each other. Then they looked at the replay uh, official and gave him the sign that says, cue that up, we want to come and look at it. Well, a minute later, there was a, a, a little bit of a, a tussle, so to speak, that occurred underneath the, the UCLA basket. After a made basket, Pella Larson was going to get the basketball that had kind of rolled away, and Arizona is intent on going fast. They want to, they want to inball, you know, inbound the ball quickly, as most teams do, and and get running with their offense. Well, as he was going for the basketball, Tyler uh, Tiger Campbell, who had fallen to the ground, was laying on the ground. Pella went to go over him to go get the basketball, and Tiger Campbell decided to go ahead and play, you know, horseback or you know whatever, you know, ride him cowboy, and decided to lift up and grab Pella Larson by the leg, which causes Pella Larson to fall, and all of a sudden now. There's two players tangled on the floor, and the UCLA bench gets up and starts to run over there. First of all, that should have been a technical foul on the UCLA bench. They got up and uh, and ran over to uh, to what was going on. That needed to be a technical foul. That didn't get called. So the officials come over to the to the table immediately because there was a, I believe that was the TV timeout. So the officials come over to to the table. Now, this was all in the same sense of time that something else was about to happen that we'll discuss here in a moment. So the officials are going to the, going to the, to the replay monitor to check on the technicals. So they did review the technicals. People were asking on Twitter, like, were they reviewing the technicals or just the shot? They were reviewing both. Uh, the, the replay official had to, had to queue up both of them. So they were over there. They were checking. Now, they have... Slight discussions at the at the most officials will take the discussion away. They'll take a huddle to you know they'll take it ten feet off you know onto the court there and have the discussion there so that we can't listen to what they're saying. Okay, most officials do that. Some will have the discussion right there at the table. There's a few of them that will just be like, yeah, well, you see this right here. 
um, these guys decided to kind of look at things, and they, they were pointing out things like, I want you to look at this, I want you to look at this, does the player do this? And then they had their huddle. They came back, and they notified the official score that both Pella Larson and Tiger Campbell were assessed technical fouls. They did not give a reason why Pella Larson was given a technical foul, uh, and Tommy Lloyd was given the reason that he, I, I guess he stepped over Tiger Campbell. Tommy was not happy with that explanation, by the way. Tommy was fired up last night from the get-go, and we'll talk about that coming up uh, as well. There's, look, there's a lot of things from last night's game that I pulled that need to be discussed today. We'll spend a lot of time talking about last night's game. But the other thing that happened in there was a little dust-up between Tommy Lloyd and Mick Cronin. And here's basically what happened. So about two minutes before this whole thing, this whole thing occurred, uh, David Hall, one of the lead officials in the Pac-12, well-respected guy, everybody loves David, good official, he, he, he does a good job. I, I like David, um, and I think for the most part he calls a pretty fair game. He comes over to, to Tommy and says, this was during a free throw, he says, hey, you got to get 25 to zip his lip. He's talking to the, to the opposing team's bench, and I'm not going to allow it anymore. Okay, So Kerr was yapping at the UCLA bench, saying something, and officials don't like that. You can talk, you can talk to players a little bit. You can have a little tete-a-tete with the players, which Kerr has done with basically every other point guard in the league so far. Um, but you can't, you can't start barking at the bench. Okay, So... They discuss that you know the, the the coaches did the right thing by the officials. Talked with Kerr, like just you know, stop it, knock it off. Don't don't address their bench. Okay. Well, about a minute and a half later, there's this whole thing that happens between Pella and Tiger, and the official. All right, the officials say, okay, <clears throat> you know, TV timeout. Everybody clear the court. Go go to your benches. So, Dalen Terry then turns around and starts to head back to the Arizona bench. Well, Mick Cronin had come out. Uh, from the bench to start his his team's huddle for the for the lengthy media timeout. As Mick was coming out and Dalen was circling back around and he was kind of turning back to check and see if Pella was coming, if he was going to be okay, or if he was leaving him for dead in front of the UCLA bench, he and Mick Cronin kind of collided with one another a little bit. At that point, Mick Cronin turned and started to walk towards Dalen Terry and started talking to him about something, started yelling at him about something, Tommy Lloyd saw this and went ballistic. And I mean, he, I've never seen Tommy Lloyd that angry in my entire life. And I've only been around him for a short amount of time. Uh, it takes a lot to get Tommy Lloyd angry from people that I've, that I've spoken to and people that know him very, very well. And he was at half court and he was screaming at Mick and they were screaming back and forth at one another, pointing fingers. And Tommy took exception to the fact that Mick was going after one of his players, and rightfully so. Mick needs to look. You you can't do that. You you cannot address another coach's players like that. You just can't. It was a it was a nonchalant brush. Just they just happened to be in the same space at the same time. Dalen Terry did not purposely nudge Mick Cronin. I was take you know I saw the whole thing you know unfold right there just just to the right of me. Um, it was uh, it was not intentional by any by any means, and Mick Cronin was completely out of line in going after Dale and Terry the way that he did. And Tommy Lloyd is fully, fully, uh, I I would say, exonerated for his actions in the way that he went after Mick. The officials then had to step in. 
grab Tommy, tell him to go back to the bench. Um, and it, it was it was weird because the other coaches didn't know what was going on. Because I was looking at the other coaches, I'm like, what's going on? Why why is he so mad? Um, you know, was it the whole thing with? Because uh, I thought Mick was going after Kerr. That's what I had thought originally because they had just warned Kerr about barking at the bench. So I thought Mick was yapping at Kerr on the on the way out of the timeout. And that wasn't the case. It was he and Dalen got got you know nudged each other. Um, so yeah, Tommy and Mick had their first little run in. Look, this is not the first time that Mick has had uh, arguments with coaches at midcourt. It happened with Sean Miller. It has happened at plenty of other stops. He's a guy that burns hot, and he's you know he's got, he's got some anger issues apparently. And when you're when you're running a big program like that, that plays the style of basketball that UCLA plays or that he likes to play, a real tough, physical, defensive style of basketball, then that's you know look these kinds of things are going to happen. So it just kind of follows him around where he goes. There are certain coaches out there that are just that are just like that. They're just that way. Mick Cronin is certainly that way, and it didn't take long for he and Tommy Lloyd to kind of ramp up this rivalry a little bit here as, as it pertains to uh, Arizona and UCLA. Now, here's one thing that I noticed about Tommy last night, and w- w- we got to take a break, but when we come back, we'll talk more about this. I mentioned in, in, a, in a tweet last night that I've never seen Tommy Lloyd this fired up before, and it started really early, and I mean on the first possession of the game, he was fired up. What does that mean for Arizona basketball, Tommy Lloyd. What what is it? What does it all mean? Was it just a one game thing, or is this something that has been kind of now brought to the forefront of a of the kind of coach that Tommy Lloyd is going to be during his time here at Arizona, which is hopefully a very very long time. We'll talk about that next here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show. Talking last night's Wildcat win over the Bruins. Tommy Lloyd was in the ear of the officials, and I mean literally from the first possession of the game last night. From the first possession of the game. Uh, he was upset that Tiger Campbell, and rightfully so, we were all watching it, and it's something that they saw on film um, that he is palming the ball. He's, he's carrying the ball. Now, if you're just nonchalantly walking up the floor, they don't care. You can carry that thing upside down. As long as you don't travel, <laughs> they're, they're, gonna, they're not going to call you. If you're trying to advance against the defender or trying to gain position um, in, the, in the half court, they're absolutely going to, going to you know, look for that. Well, they weren't calling it. It was very obviously happening. It was happening right in front of our faces. And Tommy Lloyd was in the ear of the officials from the get-go, which is something that we have not seen out of Tommy Lloyd. I did not see it in any – I've not seen any of the home games, and I did not see it in any of the the road games that were – you know, that I've been able to watch on television either. He was on them from second number one. And in every single timeout – his first his first duty was a visit with the officials every single time. And this is something that we have not seen out of Tommy Lloyd either. He was trying to set the tone last night for Arizona, advocating for them with the officiating, trying to make sure that they were going to get the calls that, that they deserved. We have not seen this um, from Tommy. I mean, he's 
for you know for the most part he's been a happy go lucky guy with the officials. The officials have been really happy to see Tommy at the games uh you know so far. We see a big smile and there's a, a long conversation and there's laughs and they're having a good time. And last night Tommy was in their ear for 40 minutes. He was fired up. I've never seen Tommy that way, at least not not at a game uh since he's been the head coach at Arizona. And he was on his players. He was, you know, screaming at his players and, and you know, players that would. He he was benching players for doing stuff. I mean, Kirk Creesa in a uh, in a, in an in, in inbound set in the first half. I think it happened in like somewhere between like the eight and ten minute mark. I want to say, Kirk Creesa had lined up in the wrong in the wrong set for the inbounds play. They were supposed to be in one look. Kerr wasn't paying attention, wasn't focused, whatever. He lined up in the wrong spot. He yanked him from the game. I mean, the play occurred in the next in the next timeout that happened. He, I mean, he went to the bench immediately. I think Pella came in for him, or Justin came in for him. Um, he, but he, he yanked him, and you, I haven't seen Tommy do that yet this year. You know, Sean Miller was he was notorious for that. He, if a player took a bad shot, you're you're sitting down for the next five minutes, think about what you did. We'll let you back in the game. Uh, Tommy hasn't been able hasn't been doing that with his players. Last night he did. He was in the ears of his assistants. <laughs> he was letting his assistants know that he didn't like the defensive call or the way that he had, um, because you know some of the assistants are calling out the matchups. You know Tommy's got to manage a game. He doesn't have he, he doesn't have time to call out all the individual matchups, and you know the, the assistants have their matchup cards in front of him. You know assistant head coach Jack Murphy. He's got his matchup cards. So do Ricardo Foyce and Steve Robinson. So they know which players they want to put on which other team's players. He was unhappy with some of the matchups that they had chosen. He didn't like that, and he let his coaches know about it. Tommy was very active and very vocal last night. What that what that tells me about Tommy Lloyd is not that he took this game any bigger than any other game or that he's got revenge on his mind. It tells me that Tommy Lloyd absolutely hates losing. <laughs> and I mean despises it. And that is a that is a very very admirable trait. That's the most admirable trait that you want from a head coach: uh, the ability to teach young men the game, how to be uh, how to be good people, essentially, in, you know, in life, and to just hate losing more than anything on, on planet Earth. Tommy Lloyd was intent on winning that game in whatever ways necessary. He talked about it after the game. They asked him. You know, what were you thinking when UCLA got it to within three? He goes, I'm just, just thinking to win the game by one. Just make one more play than these guys. Win the game by one. That's the only thing I was thinking about. Not what the next play was going to be. Just how are we going to win this game by one point? Tommy Lloyd obviously hates losing. Because he was dealt an L and a pretty sore one at the hands of UCLA last week. And his team looked bad doing it. They did it on national TV. And there have been a lot of people jumping on the early bandwagon and the knee-jerk reactions about oh, Arizona's not that good. They were a paper champion. They, uh, you know, they 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 played nobody. Their strength of schedule sucks. They were blowing teams out by thirty points that don't don't belong on the same court. Yada yada yada. He heard it all. I'm sure. He's, I'm sure he felt the same way too. And what last night's. I don't want to say antics because there weren't there wasn't anything negative about it. It was all positive stuff. Obviously, it led to a a you know, a, a rousing victory for the team. Uh, but it tells me that he just despises losing, and that he was going to make sure that everyone wearing cardinal and navy knew about it. 
and people that weren't wearing Cardinal and Navy. People who were in black and white stripes knew about it, and the opposing team knew about it. So that is, to me, the most admirable thing about a coach that you could possibly have, is somebody who has the, the, the most desire to win on the team. And that's it's, it's just so important. You know, and, and, and they changed some things up. You know, they did things differently than what we've seen, uh, you know, Arizona do. And, and I noticed it throughout the game because it's one thing that's, that stood out to me. And, like, you know, Tommy doesn't really run a whole lot of offensive sets. He doesn't, he doesn't call plays from the sideline. Sean Miller called every play from the sideline, just, uh, just about every play from the sideline. He knew exactly what play he wanted to run, what player he wanted to get involved, who he wanted to uh, exploit on the defensive end. He was the, the, you know, the ultimate commander of you know, moving pieces around on the chessboard. Tommy Lloyd just like, go out and ball. Play some ball. Let the game come to you. Flow and uh, you know, play with feel. If you do something wrong, I'll let you know. Last night, he was calling out plays, left and right. He was calling plays to all the players, and they were like, oh, okay. You know, and they were on point. Like they, the, the players were pretty focused, aside from the one time that Kerr lined up in the wrong spot. Uh, they, were, they were up to the task. And he said after the game, he goes, I think we ran more sets than we have before. He's absolutely right. They, they absolutely did run more sets. He was coaching that team to victory last night, and it's the best job that he's done as a coach since he's gotten at Arizona, period. That was a, that was a complete performance by Tommy Lloyd last night. The first, I think that's the first time we've seen a complete coaching performance. And I don't, mean, I don't mean to diminish the other 17 victories that Arizona has and Tommy Lloyd has had. It's not to diminish anything that he's accomplished so far as Arizona's head coach. But last night, every box was checked by Tommy Lloyd, every single one of them. And I'm liking what I see. I'm here for it. I'm ready for more. I'm ready for Saturday's game already. Tomorrow's game against USC is going to be big. They're coming off a, a victory that they probably shouldn't have won last night in Tempe, a late game. They're going to be traveling up the I-10 or down the I-10, I should say. And that's going to be a tough game for Arizona. And I love what Tommy said after the game. He said, congratulations, guys. You played well. Your reward is you get to play USC on Saturday afternoon, one of the best teams in the league. <laughs> He's right. And it's, it's, it is a great opportunity to, once again, test yourself against a very, very, very good basketball team. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, we will continue to talk some Arizona basketball, transition into some NBA, and, of course, we'll talk some NFL coming up in a little bit as well. You're listening here to The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Let's talk some individual performances from last night's game, specifically for the Wildcats. Look, Azulis Tabellas started the game last night. I was watching him during pregame warm-ups. He was resting the ankle quite a bit, but I also saw him leap off of that leg, and he looked like he had some bounce in his step um, last night. They fed him early and often in that first half, and he was gashing, and I mean gashing, the UCLA defense. They had no answer for him. And I've, I'll say it until I'm blue in the face, and this is a, a, a sentence and a phrase and a sentiment that I have repeated many, many times, not only on this show, but to anybody who, who will listen. I think Azulis Tabellis is one of the most important pieces in all of college basketball for their team. The, the, the multiple facets that he brings to the game and just how fast he is at doing things. Like, 
Azulis, when he runs the floor, he's he, he he's as fast as anyone. It's six foot eleven, and he's outrunning people. It's kind of like I, I was on on the drive home last night. I was trying to think of of like a comparison that Arizona fans would would recognize. Remember when Rob Gronkowski was wearing number forty eight for the Cardinal and Navy, and Willie Tuatama was throwing him passes, and it was like quiet, quiet, quiet. All of a sudden. Rob Gronkowski slips up the seam for 35 yards. He's running free past everyone. And you're like, wow, how did he get that wide open? Look at how is he outrunning these people? How did he get that much leverage on that play? And all of a sudden, he goes off. It's like bang, 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 bang. And he's, he's you know, next thing you know, he's got five catches for 114 yards and two touchdowns. And you're like, damn, that was fast. Like, that happened quick. Azulis DeBellis is the same way. Like, <laughs> He is the sneakiest, biggest, fast guy you'll ever see, like fastest big guy you'll ever see. Like he he was absolutely gashing the defense last night. He's got great hands. He's got excellent footwork. He moves quickly through traffic. He can take contact because he's big and he's strong. He's got leaping ability when he's 100% healthy, when he's not dealing with a grade 2 ankle sprain, high ankle sprain. He can finish with both hands. He can get around the rim. He can dribble. He can ball handle. He can pass. He can shoot. He's got it all. Like he, has, I'm telling you, one more year of experience, and this dude has got Pac-12 Player of the Year written all over him, and maybe even some accolades for Naismith Awards, Naismith Runner-Up Player of the Year, that kind of stuff. He he has got all of the tools. I watch him play, and I'm just like, damn. There's there aren't teams that can contend with that guy. They just there just aren't there aren't entire basketball teams that can deal with what Azulis Tabalas brings to the table. He's so good. And unfortunately for you know for Zoo, last night I saw him in the huddle, early in the second half, and he was rolling his ankle around. He was kind of like working it out, like you could just tell he wasn't fully comfortable there in the second half. And I think that had a lot to do with the fact that you know the the, the decision to only play him uh, what he plays. I think six minutes in the second half. I think is all he played. Um, and Tommy Lloyd said it was because of defensive assignments. And yes, that's probably correct because Arizona was playing great defense with that lineup that was out there. But I also think it had a lot to do with his ankle and the fact that they're going to need him for Saturday as well. You know, I mentioned yesterday, this is a team that's going to play five games in, in, in the next nine days, which is a grueling test. Not to mention they got to go on the road for three of those five games. One of them is in Tempe. The other two are those that, that wild trip in Washington where you got to spend the night in one city and drive an hour and ten minutes to another city and then drive an hour and a half to the airport after the game. and It's not a fun trip. Um, another great individual performance last night. You, you, I mean, you just can't say enough about Dalen Terry. I mentioned him on the show yesterday that he, you know, he needs to have an elite defensive performance tonight. Um, and I mentioned it before the before the uh, before the game last night. I tweeted it out. Like I was watching Johnny Juzang in the uh, in the pregame. I was just focused on Juzang and what just makes him such a good basketball player. And you know, I, I offered my opinions. And he is a he is an elite scorer in in college basketball. He really is. He's going to be in the NBA. He's going to be a scorer in the NBA. He's going to start for just about any team he plays for. He is very very good. And Dalen Terry did a phenomenal job on him last night. Juzang was six of fifteen, zero for four from beyond the arc, which you won't ever see Johnny Juzang do. Um, and I thought Dalen Terry was was the best player on the floor last night for Arizona for any team. He was the best player on the floor. Period. Played 35 minutes, didn't miss a single minute in the second half of that game, was 4 of 6 from the field. 
hit the game's first three-pointer, which really got everything kind of going for Arizona's outside shooting. Because if Dalen's making, then everybody else knows they can make. And that's not a slight on Dalen. He just doesn't take that many shots. He doesn't take a whole lot of three-point jumpers. And the first one he took went in, and all of a sudden now everybody's like, yep, it's on. We got our, we got our stroke tonight. We're going to be hitting threes. And they did, 8 of 22 from, from three-point, uh, 36%. You know, you'll, you'll take it. You'll take it, especially where they've been in the previous two games. You'll take 8 for 22. But he was filling up the stat sheet last night. I leaned over to, to Matt Brown, who sits to my left. And, uh, you know, Matt is a, is a very, very, very savvy sports guy. And I just said, Dalen's having the game of his life tonight. Like, he is, he's balling. Ten points, nine rebounds, seven assists. Nearly a triple-double for Dalen Terry. And he was the best defensive player on the floor last night. He was remarkable. And he was doing things in little ways that make big differences. Like, going up, Tommy, you know, Tommy mentioned it. He had an offensive rebound putback, which led to one of Arizona's only nine second-chance points that they had. UCLA's a very good defensive rebounding team. He also went up and got a defensive rebound where uh, Coloco had been pushed out of the way by Cody Riley, and Jaime Jaquez was right there for the rebound. So UCLA was going to be guaranteed to grab that offensive rebound. They had done their job in boxing out. And all of a sudden, here comes Dalen flying, and I mean flying above the rim to grab the rebound. It was it was one of the best rebounds we saw last night. Ben Matherin had another great rebound last night that uh, that is going to go unmentioned, but it was it was a, a very important rebound. Uh, but Dalen Terry was was fantastic last night. Uh, you know, I've mentioned it before. You know, I kind of feel like he's like if you're a Suns fan from you know from the uh, you know from the seven seconds and under days with Mike D'Antoni, and you watched what Sean Marion did for the Phoenix Suns, he was always assigned to the opposing team's best offensive player, regardless if it was a point guard or a center. He was always the guy who wasn't – he was like the fourth option to shoot the ball from the perimeter. He was a guy that had to kind of get his points in garbage, you know, picking things up, you know, getting a rebound, putting it back, um, running the floor. He was, you know, obviously very fast in the open floor. He's – Dalen Terry is a lot like – just like Sean Marion. And, and, and you know, I had conversations with Mike D'Antoni. I would spend times in his office after the games, and we would sit and talk for 30, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour after the game, just talking about basketball. And, I mean, we did it a lot, probably 50 or 60 times during his tenure in Phoenix. And we would talk about Sean Marion a lot. And Mike would always tell me that Sean plays with so much energy that that's what makes him effective. He's not the best basketball player in the world. He's not the most talented basketball player in the world. But what he does is he plays with incredible energy. The ball is going to find him, and he's always going to play great defense, and he's always going to have productive rebounding nights because he plays with such great energy. And that's exactly what Dalen Terry does. Dalen plays with such great energy. And you can tell how Arizona struggles when he doesn't play with energy, like what happened in the ASU game. I felt like Dalen was playing without some energy, which is strange because he was playing against his hometown team. So, Dale and Terry last night, game ball for that dude. He was awesome. And Kirk Carissa for getting out of his slump, 4-14, not exactly a slump-busting kind of night, but hit three three-pointers, led the team in scoring with 16 points, and the one three that he hit with about uh, it was like a minute 50 left on the clock, kind of a deeper three-pointer, that put Arizona up 70-61. to 61. That essentially sealed the game, in my opinion, right there. That was a nine-point lead for Arizona, and the way that they were playing defense last night, they were not going to give up that nine-point lead in the final minute 50 to UCLA, or to anybody for that matter. 
there's a lot of accolades that can go around. I talked about CeeLo already. Umar Balo played a great game last night. He's so efficient. Pella Larson is a, an extremely tough customer. Um, you know, you think about a, a guy from Sweden who's a, a three-point, you know, sniper, and you think he's just going to be, that's all he's going to be. He has worked in the weight room with Chris Rounds this offseason. He's really gotten a lot stronger. He grabbed eight rebounds last night. And he's a tough dude. Like he, you know, he'll he'll body people up, and you know, you, you just you just can't say enough about how he's transformed his game into be a, a complete player. Um, I like the way Justin Kyer was running the the offense last night. He did not. Uh, he, what he had one. Well, he had one turnover last night for Justin Kyer. So you know, a good night for Justin in uh, in backup uh, role. And Ben Matherin. Look, you know, teams are they know Ben Matherin. They know you can't let Ben Matherin go off. They're going to scheme against him. And Ben was doubled again a lot of times. They helped on Ben every time he caught the ball. They tried to get him in poor catching uh, situations. And I thought Ben played really well outside of his normal frame of the way he's used to playing basketball. I thought he played well enough last night um, to uh, to garner some accolades as well. So, look, great team effort last night by the Wildcats. A great win, and they get a big dub over the over the Bruins. Much needed dub over the Bruins. And then upcoming is the UCLA or the USC Trojans. They're coming in Saturday. Who uh, they should have lost that game last night. I tell you what, man, that was. I don't know how ASU continues to lose these games, but they do. They find new and inventive ways to lose, and that's what happened last night in Tempe. Late, late in Tempe last night, and the Trojans, a great defensive team, coming to Tucson to play the Wildcats on Saturday. We're going to take a timeout. More after this on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. I'm sure many of you are wanting to hear, or maybe not, I don't know, (laughs) my opinions on what happened during halftime and after the game with UCLA reserve player Mac Etienne, look, uh, you know, uh, you know, what I mean, what do you, what is there to say? It's spitting on somebody is disgusting. It's inexcusable, and he was arrested last night and allowed to travel, you know, with the team to Tempe. They weren't going to detain him in in jail. They were going to put him in handcuffs. He's going to receive a citation, and I know that there are people out there saying that he should be kicked off the team and all this other stuff. Look, let's put it in a little perspective here. Spitting on somebody is horrible, awful, disgusting, and especially in this day and age with COVID and all that, it can be dangerous. And that's why it's considered assault at this point in time. Um, let let UCLA handle what, you know, what they're going to do. He's not the first person to spit on somebody in the world. Now, I don't agree with the fact that he – I shouldn't say don't agree with – I think it's it's even worse that he involved a fan or fans in the in the in the process. I mean, we've seen football players spit on one another, uh, other players, and you know, boxers and all kinds of stuff. And we've seen combatants on the field, athletes, spit on one another, and it's disgusting and gross, and it it should be flagged and fouled, and those players should be fined. Uh, but crossing the line into the into the fans is that's uh, that's another level. That's a whole other level of bad stuff. And you should never, ever involve the fans. And likewise, fans should never involve themselves with the players. Scream, 
fingers, you know, all you want, whatever, you know, put fingers in the air, call them names, whatever you want. Don't ever engage with the players physically. Don't ever throw anything at them. Don't spit at them. Don't do any of that kind of stuff, okay? Ever, 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 ever. And the same rules go for the athletes on the court. You should never involve the fans and in, in engage them in any kind of physical ma- manner. And that's exactly what Mac ETN did last night. He deserves to be arrested and charged with whatever the assault charge that that's going to uh, to carry. Maximum sentence is 30 days in jail. That's not going to happen. Most likely he'll be hit with a fine, but he does have a court date coming up in Tucson, and he'll have to he'll have to face the music. And whatever UCLA decides to do, I'm sure U of A fans will not be satisfied with it unless he's kicked off of planet Earth because that's how passionate Wildcat fans are, and that's good. That's what we love about you guys. But it's time for UCLA to handle their business, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if he ever plays at McHale Center again. That'll be, oof, that things, that things could get ugly if that happens. He'll definitely be remembered. Wildcat fans don't forget. That's one thing that I've come to know about you guys, and I love it. I think it's great. All right, still got another hour of the show today. Quick turnaround here, two minutes. We'll be right back with hour number two here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Casino Del Sol Studio, the soul of Tucson. This is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tank of Verde. KMXZ HD4 Tucson.